Thank you for listening to the Faith Bible Church podcast. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit us at faithbiblemd.org. Somebody, somebody said to me this morning, why are we in Genesis? I'm like, ah, you guys do read the bulletin. Yeah. Well, uh, we're still going through the uh, by faith chapter, Hebrews chapter 11, and we got to Jacob. And like I said last week, there's 15 chapters in Genesis on Jacob. And I thought, ah, a little more work to do. Want to do another one off on Jacob this morning. So um, that's why we're in Genesis chapter 28. 30 years ago this May, I graduated from college back in 1993. Uh, yeah, no, it was 30 years ago. Come on. We're not excited. It's not exciting. I, I put resumes out and I, I had a promising word from this church that was interested in me, but it wasn't going to be till the fall. So I was kind of in that state of limbo. So what do you do? You move back in with the folks, right? So I moved in with my parents. And I must say, it's very easy living with my parents. That was the first and only time in my adult life where I had no bills, no power bill, water bill, electric bill. They weren't charging me any rent. I did have a student loan, but they hadn't started paying on that. That was waiting out there for me. And I didn't have a car. So I had no car insurance. And this was before cell phones. I didn't, have a, I didn't have a phone plan, so it was nothing, and uh, it was real nice. But to be honest, I didn't know how nice it was. I took it all for granted, not knowing what was waiting for me once I got out in the real world. My dad was helping me. Uh, I picked up a couple of uh, jobs for the summer, and so I wasn't bumming money off them, and I was paying my gas, and I started saving. And the big thing I was saving for was this car. A fella in our church had provided this Volkswagen Jetta, for all my car guys, 1986 Volkswagen Jetta had a sunroof and a spoiler on the back. It was real nice, leather interior, nice little car in 86. So uh, I had that waiting for me. Uh, but the, the catch was, it was a missionary family was using it for the summer as they were home on furlough. And I wasn't going to get it till after the summer. So uh, I was saving up for this car. And then the end of the summer came uh, and we had to go uh, to Ontario to get it because they were done their furlough and they were in Ontario. So we had to travel and he was going to sell it to us for uh, not to me so much, really to my dad, because dad was the pastor and he was giving my dad a deal. And dad was just kind of handing that blessing off to me, sold it to me for $800. Interesting to note, I sold it a couple years later for $2,300. So <laughs> really made out on that one. Uh, what can I say? Uh, so anyways, uh, we drove uh, all the way to Toronto, Ontario, 15-hour drive, and we did it, we did it Bob way, just straight shot up, got the car straight shot back, you know. I think we took a nap in the car, that was it, you know. It's the only way to do it in our family, 100 miles an hour. So uh, anyways, got, dad, dad took his car and his gas and got me up there, got the car, came back, and um, that was kind of a fun road trip for us. And also, with regards to that job that was waiting for me, uh, a youth pastor position at the People's Church in Toronto, Nova Scotia, the reason why I had that inside track on that position was because the pastor who wanted to hire me, my dad had taught him as a student at Bible school. And he had gotten the job at the People's Church partly due to my dad's recommendation. And because the People's Church in Toronto, Nova Scotia was my father's home church. It was where my dad got saved. It was where he... Uh, he had first started in ministry. He was an assistant pastor there for a year. And his mom, my grandmother was a member there, my aunts, my uncles. So we had family connections. And because the, my dad was well-respected and connected, 
Uh, that guy got the job due to my father's recommendation, and I got the job uh, partly because of my father's recommendation. So that's how I started out in my adult life and in my ministry. A great deal of what I got to do and what was provided to me was because of my father. And he wanted to bless me, put his reputation out there and used his resources to bless me because he loved me and because he wanted me to do well. And because of him and his support, it made my life so much easier. I wouldn't be the man I am today if it wasn't for him. I wouldn't be the pastor I am today. I wouldn't be the, the husband or the father I am if it wasn't for my dad. And this is what a dad, a father can do for children. They can bless them. But some kids do things that create division with themselves and their parents and their fathers. Or maybe a father is doing things that offends the children and causes division. And that's one of the epidemics that is plaguing our nation, the amount of young people growing up with no fathers. The boys don't have anyone to teach them how to be a man. The girls don't have anyone in their life to show them what a respectable man looks like. And they don't have anyone to defend and ward off dishonorable, disrespectful boys. They don't even know how to be men yet. So this seems to be a very hopeless, helpless state. And this is actually where Jacob finds himself in Genesis chapter 28. He finds himself alone and alienated from his father. But if you listen carefully, you will learn how to be blessed even when there's no one there to bless you. So Genesis chapter 28, and we're picking it up in verse number 10. Story of Jacob. Jacob departed from Beersheba, went towards Haran. He came to a certain place and spent the night there because the sun had set and he took one of the stones of the place and put it under his head and laid down in that place. So as we saw last week, we did a little bit of Jacob. Uh, he had gotten the family birthright and he had gotten the firstborn blessing from his father. He received the inheritance of the Abrahamic covenant through deception. And because of his manipulation and his deception, he, there was now bad blood in the family. His twin the more physically capable brother Esau had vowed that he was going to kill Jacob once father Isaac dies. So mom, Rebecca, tells Jacob, you need to get out of town for a while. Give your brother some time to cool off. So he was sent back east with the assignment to go find a wife from the land where Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, and Rebecca were from. Just like Isaac's wife was chosen from him, not from the Canaanites, Jacob too was told, don't pick a Canaanite girl. You go back to where we're from and choose a nice girl from there. So Jacob heads out on his journey. Basically, he's kind of forced to leave his home and his father. We already learned that Esau was Isaac's favorite son. Now on top of that, Jacob has deceived his father. No doubt that's resulting in some feelings of shame. In alienation, there is separation and a broken relationship here. If you think about it, the whole scene kind of mirrors the Garden of Eden. Adam wanting something that was seemingly good. Adam, with the influence of his wife Eve, disobeys God, resulting in the curse and broken fellowship between God and man. Adam and Eve were then exiled out of the Garden of Eden. So here we see Rebecca playing the part of Eve influences Jacob to go after something seemingly good, the blessing, 
but in a deceptive manner, which results in a broken relationship, dysfunction in the family, and Jacob has to leave home and is separated from his father. So what was supposed to be a blessing has this element of curse. Moral failure results in rejection and separation. Cast out of the garden, out from his family, with this result of death hovering over him. See, it's kind of very similar, isn't it? Even the names of the places in Hebrew communicate the symbolic nature of this event. So we see here in verse number 10, Jacob departed from Beersheba and went to Haran. Well, we know about Beersheba and where that name come from in uh, earlier on, a few chapters back, Genesis 21. Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock by themselves. Abimelech, now this is Abimelech, is king Abimelech over the Canaanite area where Abraham is living. And Abimelech says to Abraham, what do these seven ewe lambs mean which you've set by themselves? And Abraham said, you shall take these seven ewe lambs from my hand so that it may be a witness to me that I dug this well. Therefore, he called the name of the place Beersheba because the two of them took an oath. So Beersheba literally means seven lamb oath, which provides access to a what? A well, water, life. Abraham had a covenant in place with Abimelech, allowing him and his people access to a well, and the covenant was established by the gift of what? Seven lambs. I think we see the symbolism of the gift. The lamb is a sacrificial animal that provides atonement for, payment for, the life-giving water of the well and binds a new covenant. Seven is the number of perfection in the Bible, always affiliated with something that God is doing. So how does this relate to what God is doing? Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is called the Lamb of God. Jesus' life was traded for ours. His life was the payment, the atonement for our sin. Through his sacrificial death, Jesus instituted the new covenant, restores fellowship between God and man. Jesus says, I am the, I have the living water, and all who drink of this water will never thirst again. Jesus is the well of eternal blessings. So in that simple scene with Abraham, the gospel is portrayed, the, the types communicate the reoccurring theme in the Bible. The lamb provides the covenant that brings the life. But Jacob is leaving Beersheba. He's leaving the place of covenant, protection, and he's heading towards where? Where does it say? Haran. The Hebrew word Haran means a junction of trading routes, or we would call that a, a crossroads. What happens in your life when you come to a crossroads? It's a point of decision. A moment in time when you are faced with choices and the choice that you make is going to have a huge impact on the rest of your life. When you are young, your path is set for you generally by your parents, right? This is our address. This is where we live. This is your school you're going to go to. We're going to participate in these social activities. We travel in these circles. We'll go to this church. We adhere to these doctrines and philosophies, and your parents try to teach them and live them out for you. But then there's a certain point in your life where you have to start making some choices for yourself and then living with the consequences of these choices. 
In our culture, one of the big moments for our young people is what? We're coming right up on it here in May and June. It's high school graduation. For the first time in your life, you're expected to make some decisions and choices of what do you want to do with your life? What do you want to do with your life? I don't know. I've been told everything to do with my life my whole waking day. I've never had a choice. And now all of a sudden, I'm supposed to decide everything all at once, right? You've had 18 years to live. You've had 13 years of education. Based on that, what do you want to do? You know, take some more education or maybe develop a skill, a trade that you seem to have an aptitude for, or, or maybe you just need more time to decide. Okay, that's fine. In the meantime, while you're trying to figure out what you want to do with your life, get a job. <laughs> you're not going to lay around here doing nothing all day long. Or maybe like Jacob, you're off on a journey to find someone to do life with. He was on this quest to find a wife. That's a pretty big crossroads, isn't it? Zach, that's a pretty big crossroad. That changes the rest of your life. Yeah, it worked out pretty good, didn't it? Yes, look at these hot. Yes, definitely. So excited. One year anniversary just recently. Wonderful, right? That changes your whole life. Once you have a kid, man, that, that changes your whole, that's the rest of your life. You're a parent. You, you don't, Jesse, you can't put those ones back in the bottle, can you? Once you got them, you got a bunch of them. So those are, those are big crossroads. And um, another huge crossroads is the moment when you have to decide what we were singing about. What do I believe? What do I believe? My parents instilled these values, views, doctrines, and philosophies in me. Do I accept them or do I reject them? Do I stay on this path that my parents have taught me or do I turn and I go down this path here? And the big question is, where's this new turn going to take me? So this is where Jacob is. He's heading to a crossroads. And many people in here have affiliated with that now. High school seniors, college seniors, young adults involved in dating relationships. John and Amy Joe, real soon, right? Going to do that, tie that knot. Or maybe there's some people in here married and fed up with it. There's people in here traveling down a destructive road of distorted thoughts and unhealthy habits and addictions. Some people who are raised in a religion, raised with one set of beliefs, and others who have had no religious affiliation or upbringing whatsoever. And you're here this morning, like Jacob, heading towards a crossroads. And you know what is particularly challenging about coming to a crossroads in your life? Ultimately, you stand there alone. This is your time to make a decision. The time when someone else's responsibility over you is done. Now we can look back at the road we've been traveling and act like a victim, blame other people for where you are, and maybe that's true. Maybe you were given bad advice. Rebecca gave Jacob bad advice. You know, lie to your father, cheat to get this blessing. Now his brother hates him, and he's fearing for his life, and he's out on his own, and He's away from his family. Well, newsflash, your parents are not perfect. Your family and your community is not perfect. Your culture, society, your country is not perfect. And neither are you. There's plenty of blame to go around for all the things that have hurt you, the things that make you mad and sad, the things that have happened which has brought you to this crossroads. I'd like to tell you something. All, all of the wrong in the world and all that has offended you and the abuse that you have suffered and the injustice and the, the brokenness, the curse that you're under, we know about that. We, we, we see it. 
every day. Jennifer, we're always dealing with people in it. So we know it's there. We recognize it. And we empathize with you. Yes, it happened. Yes, it hurts. Yes, it was wrong. But now, what do you want to do about it? What road will you travel because of it? And being in this place alone, it, it's hard to know which is the right way to go. And, and this is often when we experience the dark night of the soul. Verse number 11. Jacob departs from Beersheba, heads to Haran. Comes to a certain place and spends the night there. The sun was setting. He took a stone and put it under his head and laid in that place. Says he's at a certain place in verse 11, which I took that to mean nowhere special, nowhere specific. It's not where he wants to be. It's just where he finds himself when the sun sets and things go dark. Who might be there today? You're in a place right now. It's not where you want to be and you're kind of stuck and things are getting dark real fast. The dark night of the soul, when there's no clear path and there's no right answer and nothing's going right and this is not where you want it to be and I can't live like this. I've had conversations with many folks in here who know exactly what I'm describing now. And this is where Jacob is. And all he can do is just lay down and sleep because he can't go anywhere. It's dark. And so he just gets a stone and uses it as a pillow. Now, when we travel on airplanes and I get tired on the airplane, I'll take my backpack and I'll kind of stuff it under this arm and lean against the, the wall and in the armrest here. And, and Ileana has those, um, you know, those goofy neck things. You see the people wearing them in the airport. Uh, and they might look weird, but boy, you want one when you're on the plane. Everyone wants one of those things because when you're trying to fall asleep and your head's like heavy, that thing works real well. So you get that on, you kind of get chucked up against the, the wall, or if I don't have, if she has it and I can't use hers, I'll just take my sweatshirt, ball it up, and I'll use that, and, and that works very well. I've never used my shoes. I've never used my laptop as a pillow, because that's just not comfortable, and it's hard. And I would never, the last thing I'd look for would be a stone. Why would Jacob use a stone? Well, this tells me that he literally doesn't have anything else. In the dark night of the soul, often this is when we feel we have no one and we have nothing. We are alone and we are depleted of resources. The dark night comes when we are in a place of desperation. You remember Jesus when he was in the wilderness alone for 40 days and 40 nights, he was exhausted, starving to death. And this is when the devil shows up to test him, when he's at his weakest physical state. This is when you will have your dark night of the soul. You're heading to that crossroads alone and depleted. And that's when the temptation is going to hit you the hardest. This will be when you can make some of the worst decisions that will plague you for the rest of your life when you're scared, angry, fearful, bitter, depressed, and doubting. Jacob lays down to sleep in the middle of nowhere with nothing. But let's look at what happens next. Verse 12. He had a dream. Verse 12. A ladder was set on the earth 
with its top reaching heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above all and said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, the God of Isaac, the land which you lie, I will give it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will also be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and the east, to the north and the south, and in you, in your descendants, shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go, will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. One of the most iconic images in scripture is the stairway to heaven. Lots of artistic renditions of that that you can find all over the place. Uh, I thought about maybe getting Kevin and Ricky to cover that, you know, I thought that would be cool. Not that's, no, we wouldn't do that one. Anyways, the first thing I noticed is Jacob lays down a rest. And often the first thing we need is to rest. One time I come home from work and it's when the kids were little and, and they were just being loud, rowdy boys. It's always supper time and they're always freaking out. And uh, Ileana's, you know, she's kind of exhausted at this point in the day and, and uh, she's kind of frazzled and they're screaming. And then I come in and she's kind of fussing at them and she starts fussing at me and it's like real tense. And, and I said to her, you need to go lay down, take a nap. And she said, fine, I will. And she stormed out and went to the room. And I was like, ooh, she listened to me. Oh, so I just kind of, you know, Calm the kids down and we play. Actually, I just laid on the floor and they jumped on me. That's, it works, doesn't it, Carl? I just lay down and they jump up and down. Hop on pop, I think, is the book for that. So anyways, about an hour later, she comes out of the room and, and, and she says, uh, you know, different mood. Says, thank you. I was exhausted. Because, yeah, we need rest. That's why God gave us a, a day of rest. We get worn down, we get exhausted, and in that state, we'll make very poor choices. But if you'll just sleep on it, get some rest physically and spiritually. As Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, he says, Come unto me, all you who are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Lamentations, the Lord is good to those who will wait for him. That's the other concept with resting is Waiting, just sitting still to the soul who seeks him. The psalmist says, wait on the Lord, be strong, let your heart take courage. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Often for me, I, I pray about something and then you're going to wait for an answer. Right? Um, I'll sleep on it. And then you know what happens? I'll wake up and I'll have an answer. I'll have a great idea. I'll have some inspiration. Many times when it comes to like a sermon, I'm, I'm reading a passage, you know, and I'm like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to say about this, Lord. What am I supposed to talk to about this? And then I'll, I'll go to bed that night and I'll wake up. I have all these ideas in my head and the Lord kind of just helps those come to me. Jacob lays down to rest and this is when the Lord speaks to him in a dream. And here's the thing. In the dark night of the soul, when all seems lost and you don't know which way to turn, look up. Look up. You're never alone. God is omnipresent. He's always there. He promises I'll never leave you or forsake you. All you got to do is look up. See, Jacob thought he was nowhere. It turns out he was sleeping at the bottom of a stairway to heaven. And this is the first time that the Lord speaks to Jacob. 
The Lord spoke to Abraham, his grandfather. The Lord spoke to Isaac, his father. And this is the moment when the Lord speaks to Jacob. And what does the Lord declare to him? What do we see here? He says, the land which you lie on, I will give to your descendants land. Your descendants will also be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread to the west, the east, the north, the south. Seed. Blend on you and your descendants shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Blessing. What is land, seed, and blessing? The Abrahamic covenants. The Abrahamic covenants. Verse 15. Behold, I am with you. I will keep you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I've done what I have promised you. The word here in the Hebrew here, keep, is shamar. It means guard, protect, preserve, save. And it's what we find in the ironic blessing of Numbers chapter 6. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you Peace. And then we want to sing amen after that, don't we? In the dark night of the soul, when you feel like you all is lost, God is there to find you, keep you, and bless you, turn his face towards you. He wants to help you. God wants to save you. How do I know this, Pastor Rob? This is Jacob's dream. This is Jacob's stairway to heaven. God never said any of this stuff to me. Listen to what the Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 10, verse number 8. You can turn to it if you want. Romans 10, verse 8. Paul writes, but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him is not disappointed. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Lord identifies himself to Jacob, the God of Abraham and your father Isaac. And Paul says in verse number 12, there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob is the Lord of the Lord of all. And this same God of the Jews, the God of Abraham, abounding in riches to all upon him, Therefore, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You call on the name of Jesus for salvation, and you will be saved. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him, in Jesus Christ, will not perish, but will have everlasting life. This blessing Jacob receives, it says... And in you, all the descendants shall all the families of the earth be blessed. From you, Jacob, the whole world will be blessed. And that is our claim to this blessing. It's through Jesus. Regardless of who you are or where you are, all alone at a crossroads, not sure where you should go, not sure where you're going, all you got to do is look up. 
All you have to do is ask Jesus for help. Ask Jesus to show you the way. After all, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The Lord promises Jacob, Behold, I'm with you, and I will keep you wherever you go, bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I've done the thing I promised you. Likewise, the author of Hebrews assures us that we have the same promise, for he himself has said, I will never desert you. I'll never forsake you. You can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will men do to me? God is always with us. So, you think you're in a dark place, stuck in the middle of nowheres, when in reality, you're standing at a stairway to heaven. Just look up, and you will see that you are actually at Bethel. You're at the house of the Lord. Verse number 16. Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. I didn't know it. And he said, How awesome is this place. There is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate to heaven. So Jacob rose early in the morning. He took a stone. He put it on his head. And he set it up as a pillar. And he put oil on the top. And he called the name of the place Bethel, which means house of God. Then Jacob made a vow and said, if God will be with me and will keep me on this journey and take me and give me food to eat and garments to wear, and I return to my father's house in safety, then the Lord will be my God. This stone that I've set up as a pillar will be the house, God's house, and all that give me, I will give you, I'll give a tenth back to you. So Bethel, the house of God. Child of God, did you know that you are, you are the house of God? Did you know that? Paul writes, do you not know that you are the temple of God and his spirit dwells in you? Peter writes, you yourself are living stones being built as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. One more testimony. Paul writes again in Ephesians. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens, saints of the member of the what? Household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles, the prophets, Jesus Christ himself, the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a temple, a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also being built together into the dwelling place for God by the Spirit. God's always with us. The Holy Spirit indwells those who believe in Jesus. Jesus said in John chapter 8, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me walks not in darkness, but in light. The dark night of the soul ends when you put your faith in Jesus, because now you have the light of life. And even here today, there may be someone who needs that light, someone who's at that crossroads, and feels very dark. I'm here to tell you, Jesus wants to bless you. And he wants to show you the way. You don't have to be alone in the dark. All you got to do is turn to Jesus. He wants to give you life. He wants to come into your heart. It says in Revelations, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And anyone who hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him, dine with him, and he with me. Just like God came to Jacob, Jesus is waiting for you to open up to him. 
And then you just do what Jacob did. He, he made a vow. I, if God be with me and keep me on my journey and take me, give me food and garments to wear, returns me to my father's health and safety, the Lord will be my God. Jacob determined to trust God's word and vowed that the Lord would be his God. See, what Jacob so desperately wanted, provision, right? He said, give me food, give me clothes, protection on the journey, keep me, salvation. That's, we already told you what that means. And then restoration, return me to my father's house in safety. And that's exactly what Jesus came to do. Provide, protect, save, and return us to our heavenly father's house. See that? Because of Adam and his sin, he got driven away from his heavenly father. Jacob too, because of his sin, he got driven away from his father. And all of us, because of our sin, we too are separated from God, from his blessings, from the creator and sustainer of life. Well, the good news for you is Jesus is the way back to him. He is our stairway to heaven. Let's bow at this time. There might be someone here today who needs these promises who wants the Heavenly Father's blessings. Well, it's so simple, dear friend. All you have to do is ask in the name of Jesus. We sang the song earlier. I believe in the name of Jesus. And all you have to do is say, Dear Lord Jesus, please forgive me of my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for shedding your blood to pay that penalty. You are the Lamb of God. You have brought me back to this fellowship with God. I believe in you. I trust in you. Please bless me. Please keep me. I need your, in my life, Lord. Please come into my life. You speak that prayer so simply and so honestly, and God's going to do great things in your life. God's going to pour open his blessings upon you as you learn and grow and walk in his way. This is your crossroads. It's time to decide which way you want to go. It's not a dark place because Jesus is the light of the world. Lord, we just pray that somebody here today would proclaim, profess, Speak it again. Maybe, for, maybe they've said it before, but speak it again. Rededicate themselves. Maybe for the first time, say, Dear Lord Jesus, I'm believing in you. Please be my light. We pray that somebody will make that decision today, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, move in this place. Draw each and every one, each and every soul, each and every life to yourself. We give you the glory for all that you've done and all that you're doing. And we look to your return. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm.